Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange, stories by leaders for leaders to help you to raise the bar on your own performance and to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. This is Hugh Ballou. Welcome to this episode of the Nonprofit Exchange. Every week, we have an interesting person to talk with about leadership. It comes in many forms, many sizes. So some people talk about leadership through planning, through branding, through, through other, other means. Um, we have a, a really unique person today with a unique perspective. And um, her topic is, I think you'll find very important, especially in today's divided world. And uh, it's where we come together and we, we share ideas on the nonprofit exchange. So I, my guest today is a new friend, just met her uh, recently. And I said, well, why don't you come on my show? And she didn't hesitate. She said, sure. So Doris Young-Boyer is my guest today. So Doris, people want to know who you are. So tell us a little bit about who you are, a little bit about, about your background, and specifically, what led you? Uh, Hugh, I am so glad that you invited me to be on your show today. Who am I? Well, I am uh, I am a parent, first of all, of a wonderful young man, and that makes me very happy. I am someone who likes working with people, who likes teaching them the things that I've learned as I've gone along my own particular life journey. So I'm a keynote speaker. I'm a writer. I am a new podcast host of the podcast called The Gracious Leader. Um, I am a mime. I was trained to be a mime. And so I put on my, my costume and my, my makeup and I, I do that in my, in my church. And <laughs> so I'm many, many things. But most of all, I am concerned about making sure that we lead ourselves and we lead others in a way that makes the world a better place. So we we're talking a little bit before and we we're talking about um, the, the fulfillment I get in work coaching and consulting with people. And I'm just so happy to see people fulfill their own dreams because they've grabbed some concepts that they really, really hadn't occurred to them before. So let's, let's go back and talk about, people have all these labels about leadership, but I've yeah. never anybody that that said gracious leader so to find what it means to be gracious leader a gracious leader in my definition is someone who uses relationship focused behaviors as their default in leading themselves and leading others the question that they always ask is what will this do to the relationship will it enhance the relationship or will it damage the relationship? And if it damages it, maybe I need to lead from another aspect rather than this aspect. So it takes in a, a variety of things, certainly empathy and communication, but it's a heart-centered approach where your mindset is, as I said, how is the other person gonna feel based on what it is that I'm, that I'm doing? Um, it is looking at the skills that you need to develop to keep that focus going, that intentional focus going, as well as executing the skills that you learn and the, the, um, uh, the, the values that you learn on a regular basis. So for me, that is what sums up gracious leadership. Wow, 
that's that's great um i'm just my mind's exploding with with what you're talking about with uh concepts of what that could look like we um i don't know how many years we've seen such a such a um harsh corporate environment where it's about the Mm -hmm. bottom line dollar the the stockholder we we see some corporations now embracing what what some call the triple bottom line people planet and then profit and so there are there are people minded uh, organizations so it's it's the uh, what what i know as a musical conductor is whatever they see is what i'm going to get so the leader really influences the culture so how does being gracious set the tone for the rest of the culture i'll give you a quick story and this is really my signature story and i I mentioned it on my podcast, but it's such a part of me that I'd like to mention it again. I attended a a dinner when I was just out of graduate school in my first job, and I decided to sit myself at the executive table, uh, even though I was, you know, just coming into the company. And I, I sat next to the CEO. We had a very nice conversation, and he went to reach for his wine. And when he went to reach for it, there was a lipstick stain on it. So I had been drinking his wine, even though I know what the place setting is supposed to be like, I was mortified and I didn't, I I couldn't look at him because I (laughs) I just wasn't sure what to do. And I didn't know what he was thinking, what other people on the table were thinking. And I just wanted to just die. You know, I mean, that's basically how I felt. He didn't say a word. Um, He said to, to me, but he had to feel my discomfort. He said to people around the table, who would like a beer? So of course, everybody said, yes, yes, yes. So he ordered beer in bottles. It came on a silver tray. And as he was bringing it, other people were, who were at the dinner were like, you know, what's going on at that particular table? And he, he clinked, beer, clinked bottles with everybody. We drank the beer. It excused him having to order another glass of wine that might embarrass me. He changed the tenure and the culture of the table in an instant. We went from, you know, very being very corporate and quiet conversations to being the rowdiest table at the whole dinner, quite frankly. People were looking at what's going on over there. If we were drinking the beers, we were laughing. So I felt, um, I felt cared for. I felt included, I felt that I belonged, and I felt kind of exonerated. And that's what gracious leadership is about. He was a very powerful man. I mean, I I brought myself to his table. He could have said, aha, you're drinking my wine, I'm gonna have to get another glass. None of that. He took care of me. And I think that he was saying, that's the culture of this company. We take care of people who are with us. It made a profound difference in the way that I started to lead myself and in the way that I led the team that I was in charge of. That the most important thing was certainly getting a result, but making sure that as as that result was accomplished, other people weren't left bloodied. I'm having a bad bad day. I want to call you up and you tell me a story because you know how to tell a story. You know, there's there's so many parts to that to unpack. So the 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 culture is is in fact the reflection of the leader. So he set the tone for everybody. And you know, sometimes it's it's not even something that you can touch or feel intangible. 
And sometimes people don't even know what it is, but it's there. So um, grace, grace comes out of um, my faith as a Christian. Grace comes out of other faiths as, as a way of being. It's not some, something that a whole lot of people use, is it? No, it, well, I think people don't pinpoint it as that in terms of leadership. Graciousness and leadership sometimes seem to be on the opposite sides of the spectrum. I think that there are more people who are gracious leaders than have been identified as such. People will say, you know, there's something about him or there's something about her or she makes me feel a certain way. And grace is not necessarily the title that they will hang around it, but that's what it is. It is respecting somebody else's humanity just because they're human, not because they did something fabulous or, or maybe did something wrong, but understanding that because this is a gracious world. I mean, we, all we have to do is wake up in the morning. We don't have to set the sun in the sky. We don't have to figure out how am I gonna breathe? We just, I mean, well, certainly there are, I mean, there's a lot of things that impact it, but from setting up, we don't have to get up every morning and set the world in place. We have to get up and go about what it is that we feel we wanna do. So there's graciousness all around us. So it's tapping into that graciousness and using it to lead yourself and other people. It's the foundation for leadership is relationship, isn't it? Absolutely. And so being gracious is about relationship focused behaviors. What is, what is, the, what is the impact that I'm going to have on this relationship by doing X, Y, or Z? And it's not about whether or not people deserve it. That's the true piece of it. Of, of graciousness for me. Certainly, I invited myself to his table and that might've been, I don't know if it was reserved for certain rank, um, certain level of executives. All I knew is that I wanted to sit next to him. So I sat next to him. So I, I wasn't in the company long enough to know whether or not there's, that was a, a rule. I just kind of sat there, you know, cause that's what I wanted. So someone could have said, well, you know, you put yourself in, in that situation. His, his response had nothing to do with whether I was right or whether I was wrong. It had to do with him probably feeling like all of my intensity at that point, like, oh my God, oh my God. He probably felt that and said, you know, what's the best thing that, that I can do here? Plus it was a new product for the company. So it got a chance to showcase the new product. It was a win-win for everyone, but he made that intention to make sure, I believe, that I was taken care of and supported. You know, we've, we've, <clears throat> we've learned leadership wrong and we've inherited systems that are broken. And so it's time for a reset in how we approach this culture, this relationship, these, these work um, work ethics and these this, these um, systems that we have that we we gather, whether it's a business or a nonprofit or a religious organization or an education or government, there's a whole nother dimension that I think we're missing. And part of it's inbred in our culture. When you when you meet somebody at a networking or a party, typically your name, what do you do? 
<laughs> instead of who are you? Who are you? Yeah. So I, I just I have purposely not asked people what they do, because typically in a situation like you're talking about, the leader looks at people, oh, that one's HR, that one's the finance person, that one's the marketing person. You know, they look at them as position, but he looked at you as person. Yes. So that's a reframing. We tend to think of functionality and sometimes leaders drive so hard, they drive over relationship to get things done. And there's a lot of bad examples, which we don't need to talk about. We're talking about good examples. So that's a great story. And I think stories probably inspire people more than some other ways to communicate. What do you think? I definitely believe that stories are, are instructive. Uh, they're instructive for yourself. And you, you said that this is a, an amazing story to unpack. And I get something different from this story every time I tell it or every time I write about it, I see different aspects of that particular story. There's a, um, there's a film or a YouTube video, or maybe even yeah, YouTube video, or maybe it's even a TEDx talk, but it's talking about the danger of a single, single story, that we are, we are more than one story. So you're more than the finance person, or you're more than the marketing person. And, and graciousness allows you, I believe, to look at the whole person uh, because the relationship is the key connector between you and that particular person. Love it. Love it. So um, who do you think of when you think of a gracious, gracious leader? For me, there are many, certainly the, the CEO of my company, but Nelson Mandela is a strong, gracious leader for me. When you look at the fact that he was on the side of the resistance that was fighting against apartheid, he was, a, he was arrested for it, um, treated brutally, but he was able to leave prison with a bigger goal in mind, a bigger picture in mind. He wanted to heal the the country. And so that purpose, developing the relationships to make that happen, became his life's work. And if you study Nelson Mandela, I mean, boy, that this etiquette, I mean, this power five that I talk about is so amplified in, in the kinds of things that he did, he, bringing people together and, and the strategies that he used to do that. So he is a strong role model for me um, of graciousness and leadership at the same time. You know, for me, I got to be in the street in front of Walgreens in the 60s with Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. And he came and talked to my student body. And he was powerful, but it wasn't about him. And it was about, it was about all, all, of, all of humankind, but, but he had a very clear vision. He stuck with it but I saw him mistreated a lot and he never retaliated. Mm -hmm. And so he was, he was very present that hit and watching Mandela do some speeches, you know, he could have been bitter, but he came out of prison, like you said, with a big heart saying we can, and he actually, he acted in ways that were gracious and actually modeled how we could do better as humans. Absolutely. And I'm sure there was some bitterness. I mean, he was really, really treated very, very poorly, very badly for a long period of time. He missed his, missed his family. He missed his children growing up, but he decided to, to, to override that. And that, that's the intention that I'm talking about, where you make, an, you make your mindset and your intention is that I am going to 
accomplish this goal that is bigger than myself. And it requires that I am focused on the relationships. We are, we are live on Facebook. We're in the nonprofit exchange. If you want to go to the nonprofitexchange.org, you can see um, a lot of episodes, this one, the video, and you can get it wherever you get podcasts. So you can listen to it over and over. And um, by the end in 24 hours, we'll have a transcript in here. So you can go back and pick up some of the things that you wanted to re review again, they'll be in writing. So um, a couple of things come to mind. What sets a gracious leader apart from other leaders? Well, certainly the intention that I talk about, but they're, they're willing to learn the skills that undergird um, relationships. So I've put together what I call the, the power five. And some of it incorporates etiquette. Some of it incorporates uh, networking. But these are the five areas that I find that people will make mistakes and, and, and will be most awkward in as they're trying to develop these relationships. And one is certainly knowing the difference between business etiquette and social etiquette. A second is knowing how to introduce yourself as well as introduce others. The third one is about networking and connecting with other people. The fourth is about your professional appearance. And the fifth is about managing conflict with grace and skill. And I'll start with the fifth one, because that to me is the most important one, because life is made up of, of conflict. I mean, very often people think it's conflict when it's a big conflagration and I'm angry and you're angry and, you know, all of that's going on. We almost want to go to war, but conflict is very small. And if not handled with grace and power and skill, that's when it becomes very, very big. And in terms of leading other people, very often you have to read their body language. You, they may not say anything, but perhaps something that you've said or you've done has not been pleasing to them or has made them feel undervalued. And, and being able to, to look at that, and maybe if you don't say anything at that particular time, going to that person and say, Hugh, you know, you and I just had a conversation and I just wanna make sure that we're on the same page here or that we're in common ground. And is there something that we might need to talk about? Giving me or giving you the, the opening to talk about what might be bothering either one of us. And, and taking that feedback without trying to defend it, but just listening and seeing where the common ground is. Uh, and there are so many tips to, to handle that. I recommend that people Google the top 10 words that fuel conflict and, and take them out of your vocabulary. I mean, there are, there, when you're talking about something that has happened and the first time I walk in and say, you said, well, your back is up. So what are the ways to have that conversation? Maybe saying, Hugh, I heard this from you. And that is not how I see it. That starts a different kind of conversation. So learning those kinds of things. And, and, and Nelson Mandela was a master at this, a master at listening to what other people had to say and reflecting back to them what it is that he heard. He did things like um, he learned the language of, of those people who oppressed him so that he could have that exchange. He knew when people's birthdays were. 
and he would reach out to them. Uh, he knew when things were, new things were happening in their lives. And these are people who were not nice to him. He knew what was happening in their lives so that that was a basis for him to build the relationship with that particular person and try to get as much agreement as, as possible. So the whole idea of managing conflict with grace and skill is one of the key power skills that, that we is, teach that we teach people. And that's a big one. And what, what I unpacked and when I was listening to you is when you had that narrative with a person, you refrained from using the word you, you did this or you that, you said we. And, and which embraces the, the, the learning that I've had is that when there's conflict, everybody contributes. So leaders very much want to sometimes want to blame others when maybe it's something they set up themselves because of something they did. And then, and then blaming somebody else actually makes it worse. Well, it does. It does. So the thing to remember in terms of common ground is that we hear things differently. And the person might not have said what I heard or might not have said it in the way that I heard it. So finding that common ground is to, is to say, what, it, what is it that you're saying? Or what is it that you're asking me? And that requires skill because life is moving fast. And if you're not intentional about stopping for a minute to ask that question, you'll miss that opportunity. You have to be intentional about it. So you're, you're talking around it. So let's hit it. Leadership, number one, one of the top skills, maybe not number one, one of the top skills is listening. Absolutely. You, you, so, it's, so you've given us really good examples of why it's important and how. Um, when I do uh, training uh, corporate leaders as coaches, I ask them to wait three seconds after somebody responds, I mean, after somebody shares something before they respond. Now, that is a, a huge amount of time when somebody wants to talk, but you know, sometimes I'm talking to people and I know they're not listening. They're thinking about their answer already. And so it's good to be able to formulate your answer, but it also validates the person's been heard. And you pointed out something really big. We listen, we got two ears and one mouth. We listen with our ears, but we also listen with our eyes because they're, 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 the words are probably, I think the research shows 7% of a message. And so there's lots of inflections and physical, mm -hmm. physical signs that maybe there's something else going on here. So listening is, is a top skill, would you say? I would say it's a top skill. I also think that body language is a top skill in terms of what is your, what is your body communicating about how you're feeling to the other person. So sometimes noticing, um, what someone else is saying, say, you know, you, you folded your arms when I said that. Did that, did, was that a, because what I said penetrated you in a way that you felt you needed to protect yourself? I, you know, seeing a little bit resistant there, you want to talk about it or maybe I'm reading something into it, but making the opening for a conversation based on someone else's body language. I don't know about you, but I grew up with parents who were, very strict about manners and behaviors. Uh, while I don't think that graciousness is, is, is um, only based on part of the, the, the country, but, but there is something to the training that my, my dad received growing up in, in the South about how you behave and how you, 
how you do things. And and there was no roll, eye rolling, glaring, or any of those kinds of things, or looking as if, you know, I, I just can't wait for this conversation to be over. We grew up learning that your body language does a lot about what you're thinking and feeling, and is it respectful to me as your parent? The same thing is true with us when we are leading ourselves and leading somebody else. What our body language says to the other person as we're talking is just as much and just as important as what our words say. Ah, that is so key. That's so key. So just remind people at thenonprofitexchange.org, you can read the transcript. There's a lot of really good good tips here that you can actually use starting now. So, so Doris, there's, there's this thing called a power differential. So sometimes people, hey, you, you were very comfortable sitting next to the, to the boss and just, just relating to them. Not everybody uh, is comfortable doing that. They just feel like, oh, I don't have permission. But sometimes when the boss asks for a question, ask a question, People hear it as, oh, what do they really want to know? And I need to give them the answer they want, rather than feeling liberated to respond. So as the leader, people might not feel comfortable telling you what you actually want to hear. Is there some way to be gracious and invite people to really break through that and tell us what we want to hear? Well, that's a great question. And I want to take a kind of a quick thought to think about it. Um, off the top of my head, I would say how you look at them when you're asking that question and what your body language is saying, whether or not it's inviting, whether you're looking at them with a smile saying, Hugh, I really wanna hear from you. Well, what, what are your thoughts about this? I can see you've got something going on there. You know, maybe make a little um, something that'll put them at ease as you're asking them that question so it doesn't put the person on the spot. Words such as, I'm open to suggestions um, because that's how I that's how I make better decisions. So, Mary, what what kind of a suggestion might you have for us? Or asking, does anybody have a suggestion? Rather yeah. than putting that person on the spot. Absolutely, absolutely. So, they, um, the great leaders oftentimes are isolated from the very facts they need because of their own behaviors. And sometimes we're afraid to get input because we feel like, oh, people are gonna expect that I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that idea rather than saying, okay, I'm gonna take all these ideas, I'm gonna put them in the hopper and they'll be part of the final decision. It might look different rather than, you know, managing expectations, they back off and don't do it at all. So I think part of being gracious is inviting people into the conversation. Did I hear you right? And that's a good, what you just said, did I hear you right, is a wonderful phrase in terms of managing conflict as well as inviting people. Because it says there's a possibility that I, I, that something coming from me didn't connect with what it is that you said. Yes. And, and I don't know about you, you know, considering my age and mental condition here, um, people might say something that triggers a thought. And then, hmm. Then I miss the next thing they say. So checking for understanding is really important. You know, and we don't do that in, in, in human relationships. When you send a document to the printer, the printer says, okay, I got it. Or it says, I'm out of ink. There's this electronic handshake. We don't do that in our interpersonal conversations. We don't say, oh, I got it. Or I don't understand it. So there's no validation that the mm -hmm. message is received in the manner we in 
pen. I, the, the, I used to have a poster that said, what you thought you heard is not what I thought I said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very, very true. And I think more than we know, people did not get the message that we intended to send. I mean, I, and I'll give you, this is another one of my, I'm a storyteller. This is one of my favorite stories about connecting. When my son was um, 13, maybe a little younger than that, I'll say maybe 10 or 11, we were going out, the family, and he had to get dressed. So he came down and he was completely dressed. And I said, and it was so fast. So I said, did you take a shower? And he said, yes, I took a shower. I said, okay. But something didn't feel right. So I thought, well, I just heard him get up a couple of minutes ago. I don't know how he could get a shower that fast. So I called him back and I said, are you sure you took a shower? So he said, yes, I took a shower. And something in my mother's brain asked him today. And he said, oh, no, no, I didn't take a shower today. <laughs> I said, you know, that's not honest. He said, you, I said, you know, that's not honest. He said, you didn't ask me if I took a shower today. You, you asked me if I took a shower. And I took a shower. I said, well, when did you take the shower? Um, day before yesterday. <laughs> teenager, right? He wasn't quite a teenager, but he already had the jargon down. You, you didn't ask me if I took a shower today. But we do have those miscues in the workplace. Absolutely. Because maybe we didn't ask the right question. Now, you, you had expected a reasonable response that it was a shower today, but there exactly. was a loophole there. <laughs> you gave him a loop. So let's do these, these um, what do you call these, these five things? Oh, the I call them the power five. Power um, five, you got my the Power five. Uh, these are the areas that it is easy to make a mistake um, and create some kind of awkwardness for yourself. And so I, I believe that if people can master these five things, they, will increase their effectiveness as a leader. So I mentioned one that was managing conflict with gracious, grace and skill. The second one is having a professional appearance. Nelson Mandela said that he always dressed up for his, wherever he was going, always be dressed and pressed and carry it with a smile. Always have a smile, look people in the eye. So that's the professional appearance. And that's whether you're dining with someone, whether you're traveling, business travel. And under this professional appearance comes the whole issue of dining, knowing how to manage all that silverware and all that stuff that's going on at the table. This, I'm an etiquette expert, so I'm, I guess I, I wax a little bit uh, about this, but I just love the beauty of the table and how it's set and all the silverware, but it can be daunting if you're at a very formal dinner. So we talk about um, dining and that you start from the outside and work, work your way in from the outside when you're using silverware, not putting anything on the table that is going to soil the table. That's a sacred space where you're gonna share a meal and conversation with other people. So a cell phone is not the cleanest thing in the world. So don't put it on the table. You know, if you must look at it, keep it in your lap, your pocket, your pocketbook or whatever. So professional appearance. The third thing is networking and connecting. How do you network and then connect? 
It's not just by giving a card to someone, but how you give that card to the person, having it face them, how you receive a card from them, as well as making sure that you do some kind of follow-up. And that's the hard part of networking and connecting, especially in this era of social media. I mean, sometimes you can look at your LinkedIn page and you've got five or six invitations. How do you stay on top of all of that? So that's, uh, that's another key point. And the last one, I think I've covered them. Oh, this is the, the, the fourth one. Um, introducing yourself and other people. Knowing how to introduce people, especially in business. In business, introductions are based on rank, whereas in social, they're based on age and gender. So the higher ranking person receives the lesser ranking person. And people who are, have achieved a certain rank understand this. And that's, you know, they, they want that because they've worked hard to get it. That's why they're the CEO. So they want to be introduced that way. So what it means is that you're, you're introducing the lesser person to the senior person. So you mentioned the senior person's name first. So Mr. President, Mr. Biden, I'd like for you to meet Hugh Ballou. And you tell, you know that he's the president. So I would tell him that you are a podcaster. So the conversation can start from, from that, that standpoint. When it comes to social introductions, it's based on age and it's based on gender. So the female receives the male. So you would say, Mrs. Doris Young Boyer, I'd like you to meet Scott Jones. It's also based on on age, this is senior person, I'd like you to meet my daughter. Those introductions and that slight, that, that subtleties in terms of rank and gender are very important. So th that's the power five. And there's a lot more in terms of introductions. I just gave you a, a little overview. A conflict, so, conflict, conflict appearances, networking and connection, introducing yourself and others, and knowing that the difference between business etiquette and social etiquette. Okay. That's the power uh, five. Ah, uh, and, and there's a difference. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the South. Did you grow up in the South? I did not. I grew up in New Jersey. I went to school in the South, but I grew up in New Jersey. Okay. Um, I grew up in the South. We, we think there's a graciousness especially with, with women, especially church women in the South. You know, there's, there's a culture of who are you? How are you, honey? So there's, there's the, a different, there's a, there's a nuance in, uh, I grew up in Georgia and there's, there's kind of the, the cultural nuance, but I bet you it's anywhere where you show up as a grace-filled person. That's how I feel. And when I say this, people take a little bit of umbrage when I say that graciousness is not limited to region of the country. It's not limited to gender. It's not limited to wealth and, and exposure. That you, it is, there's no gene that some people received and others did not. It is learned behavior. Uh, it is intentional behavior. And there is a opportunity, you look for opportunities to implement that behavior. Well, we do have our own language in the South. It kind of goes with fried chicken and collard greens and black-eyed peas, you know, cornbread. So <laughs> those are those are custom things. So, you know, comfort food and comfort behaviors. But I think where we really grow is getting out of our comfort zone and saying, how can I be better? 
And when when I talk to a leader about how do they how do they continue to work on their skills, and they say, "Oh, I got that leadership that stuff down pat," I think that's dangerous. What do you think? Well, I think that people generally don't necessarily feel that they always feel that they have it down pat. They the the feeling is that it's not as essential as the power portion of it that how I got it done is not as important as the fact that I got it done. When I was in corporate America and we did succession planning, it was so apparent to me that how you got it done was as important as the fact that you got it done because maybe Joe Jones was expecting to be promoted to senior vice president. His ticket had been punched. He had gone through all the other areas and he excelled in those particular areas. Then when we would sit down to talk about his future, his boss would say, well, you know, he's not quite ready. And I would say, okay, what is his unreadiness? Well, you know, sometimes he just is not, just is not great with people. If there are situations that arise when we're kind of in a hurry, you know, he's not as gentle with people as we'd like him to be. And when you probe that, you find out that there are skills that he's lacking that could have been handled well before we got to talking to this, this succession about this particular level. So he doesn't want to give Joe Jones that job because he's not quite ready. Well, you know, Joe Jones is going to leave the company and take all that intelligence with him someplace else. And those are things that could have been handled where all of that time he was achieving results, perhaps not how a gracious leader might or how you might want your CEO to behave, but he was getting those results. So how you get the results is key. And I think that people may not recognize that as something to really contend with. Wow. So I've got two more questions. Uh, this has been a wonderful interview. It's just, you know, I do these interviews all the time and I've learned some very key things from you today. Thank you. So I find that leaders misconceive, uh, misperceive some of the top skills like delegation as a weakness. And I would see that maybe some people might think of being gracious as a weakness rather than the, the powerful the powerful presence that it is as a strength. I think that's very true. And I also think that when you hear the word, and I've asked people, when you hear the word gracious, they think of gender. They think of, of, of female as being gracious. They think maybe of tea, you know, and, and Southern hospitality that we talked about. They, they don't see it as being a power skill. Perhaps they might call it something else, but it is relationship focused. And there is a, a gentleness about it. There is a understanding of humanity about it that can only be called from my standpoint, graciousness. Oh, that is so helpful. So the gracious leader enters the room. Um, what's the result? Well, the, grace, the person's presence is not something that certainly enters first. They're not, you know, the door doesn't open and they, they barge in. But there is something about that person that you want to get to know them. Maybe it's the 
the way that they look you in their eye, maybe it's their overall um, appearance. You know that someone has entered the room that has your best interest at heart, has some things that you need to learn from them and that they're gonna create change even if they're in there only two minutes. That's the power to me of a gracious person. Wow, that's so key. So Doris Young-Boyer, um, you're teaching us things we need to know. We need to have these tools in our leadership toolbox because we need them more today than we ever have before. We're too separated, too fragmented, and we need to care about each other more. And this is a really good one, two, three, four, what we can think about and what we can implement. What thought or challenge would you like to leave people with after this really, really wonderful interview? My challenge would be to look at the graciousness around you. Don't take it for granted when someone um, in a store says, thank you for coming. You know, it sounds like a throwaway line. Stop and look the person in the eye and say, well, you're welcome. I'm, I'm glad to be here. So build on the graciousness that's around us and start to just get that ball rolling because it's contagious. Um, teach it to your, your, your children. Be gracious to your at home, to your, your spouse, um, to your other family members. Write thank you notes. I mean, I, I, I love receiving thank you notes. And this was something that my mother did where she would send you, a, give you a little note on your, on your dresser. Thanks so much for folding the clothes today. I really appreciate it. That was something she told me to do. You know, this wasn't I woke up and thought I was gonna fold the clothes. But she thanked me for carrying out that. It was one, the first time I got it, it was wonderful. You're, you're such a special daughter to me. Putting that kind of a note in your husband's lunch or your children's lunch or sending um, quotes to people that uplift their spirit is a gracious thing that we can do, even for people that we don't know. I got something today from one of the women who is in the National Speakers Association, and I'm just a part of their, their list. And she wrote about how something happened for her that day, and she's just in such a great mood. And, you know, I just sent energy out to everybody. Well, I received that. That's not something that she necessarily had to do. Learn about the people who work for you. What are, what are their passions? What makes them tick? What are their children doing that is interesting that you can have a conversation with them about. Show an interest in people and things that are around you. I walk in the mornings uh, around a little park that's near me. And yesterday morning, a gentleman struck up a conversation with me. How are you? I said, I'm very well, how are you? And he said, you know, I am well because I didn't really have to wake up this morning. He said, and I did, and I'm so happy about that. And I'm happy to see you. He said, you have a good day. And he walked away. I thought, oh boy, <laughs> what a great thing. So there's so many little ways um, to enhance someone else's day and value their humanity. And that's the bottom line of graciousness. Doris Young-Boyer, you not only uh, talk about this, you live it, you know, I can feel it. But when I met you, there were a hundred people on a Zoom, you stood out. Mm. And I said, I want to get to know that woman. And I know why. Um, Doris Young-Boyer, you've, you've helped me today. And I, I'm sure there's many other people that'll say, hmm, on the page for the podcast, there's, there's a link. 
You can find out about her podcast and find out about Dara Young Boyer because you're going to want to listen to more episodes and more stories. Thank you for being our guest today on the Nonprofit Exchange. And thank you so much for having me. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Exchange. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.